0: With it being spooky season, I'm sure you have all been catching up on your favorite vampire thrillers, such as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Interview with a Vampire, and What We Do in the Shadows. The tale we will be talking about today is about someone who went beyond the fictional ghoulish tales and brought a certain vampiresque activity to his murders. Today, we'll be talking about a serial killer who was active between the years of 1969 and 1971 in Montreal, Quebec, and Calgary, Alberta. Today's tale from the Chesterfield is about Mr. Wayne Bowden, who is better known as the vampire rapist. Hello, everyone,
1: and welcome
0: to our third episode of Tales from from the Chesterfield. Thanks
1: for keep coming back. I'm Kayla. I'm Alicia. And we're really excited about today's episode leading into Halloween. We really had an easy decision with this one on what we were going to do this October um, for the last two episodes and now these next two episodes coming up. We're super, super pumped about these ones. Very
0: spooky season themed. Yes. Very, very spooky season themed. Also a hint for guessing next week's. A New Year's baby, Bowdoin was born on January 1st, 1948 in a small suburb of Dundas, Hamilton.
1: I don't think I've ever been to specifically Dundas. I've been to Hamilton up teen times. I went to school there at Mohawk for a couple years. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I know the suburbs and what they actually are in Hamilton.
0: Yeah, Dundas is really cute. It's kind of on the outside of Hamilton. Um I've been multiple times because Chris is from there. Oh. Yeah, for those who don't know, Chris is my mother's boyfriend. Hello you too. Hello. Um so yeah, I've been quite a few times. There it it gives very Niagara on the Lake vibes. Like there's a no, really, I love
1: Niagara on the Lake.
0: Yeah. There's a really cute bookstore there that definitely sticks out in my mind, but yeah, Dundas is really cute. It is. It definitely is. Wayne attended Glendale Secondary School in Hamilton in the early to mid 1960s, where he was reportedly quiet and played on the high school senior football team, which is interesting because usually people who play on football teams are very outspoken.
1: Yeah, they have bold personalities, they're playing a very aggressive sport. I can definitely I guess that would be stereotyping all football players. Yeah, it definitely does. In general you would kinda have that thought in your mind when you bring up a football player.
0: Especially all the expectations that come with high school football teams Mm, of like you have to go to certain events, you have to fundraise, you have to do quite a few things. Although not that I would know. My high school didn't have Yale Crosley didn't actually have their own football or cheerleading team we shared with Notre Dame
1: probably because the area was so small like the catchment area
0: yes the rumor that had been told to me though was that the cheerleaders which this is so awful but the cheerleaders would wear when we had it at Crosley the cheerleaders would wear revealing clothing so Crosley shut that down and said no more you're going to Notre Dame but as an okay. adult, as an adult, it was definitely because the population was small. And of course people, it was. And people were just trying to slut
1: shame and be awful. Slut shame a cheerleader in yeah. the outfit that they literally have to wear. Like,
0: that's the whole point, yeah. Okay, I mean, sure. let's, let's think bring it on. Like, yeah. yeah. Burr. Burr. It's, it's cold, cold in, in here. here.
1: The football players must be wearing booty shorts at EO Plaza. I
0: wish that they had. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wayne was an average secondary schooler. He dated girls he went to high school with and apparently got into a very large fight at school, which was said to be a very bloody event, which could be a precursor to what we're about to talk about. Absolutely could be. This was pretty much all I could find about his childhood, and everywhere I looked, it basically all said the same thing, which was really frustrating because one thing that we both love about true crime is finding that aha moment, that's where it all went wrong moment but he really does seem to be just like a regular kid. So Wayne earned his title vampire rapist because he would bite his victim's breasts. This would lead to his downfall and he was the first person to be convicted in North America due to forensic odontology or bite mark evidence.
0: So, can you fathom a guess of a famous serial killer who would go on to be the second person to be charged due to forensic odontology
1: or be part of the charge? Um, so remind me, this is the 60s? Yes. He went to high school in, so probably started killing in the 70s. Um I want to say Ed Gein, but like the time doesn't. You're going to
0: be surprised. Really? Yeah. Who? Ted Bundy. Bundy? Yeah, I know.
1: Now, I'm not, I wasn't a huge, I don't want to say fan, fan of Bundy. It's such a horrible way to put it. But I wasn't too into learning about Ted Bundy's crimes. He didn't kind of give me that interest and intrigue like other killers have. Um, I've always been huge into learning more about Dahmer, um, Ed Gein, Albert Fish, uh, DeSalvo, all of those uh, infamous killers. But Ted Bundy, for some reason, was never on the top of my list Ted Bundy
0: wasn't on the top of mine either. I watched the two Netflix... The Zach Efron version of, of Netflix. And then... You watch it all. Yeah. And I watched it, but I've never... Like, a lot of them will be very engaged, and I have to watch the next the next one, where Ted Bundy's The Confession Tapes, I was like, oh, It was kind of on in the background. Yeah. I think there's just nothing exciting about... Like, I, not that... I mean, you know what I mean? You're here listening to true crime. We're all doing this together. We all know what we mean. But there's nothing exciting about him. He's just a dude who's dick to women. Like...
1: Yeah. End of story.
0: End of story. Moving on. Sorry about
1: it. Sorry, Ted. Rip.
0: Rip indeed. On October 3rd, 1969, Wayne would take his first known victim, Shirley Audette. She -hmm. was found dead near the back area of an apartment building in downtown Montreal. Shirley was found in her clothing, but it was evident that Shirley had been sexually assaulted by her attacker before being strangled. Shirley had large bite marks on her breasts, which was unclear whether it was done pre or post-mortem. Shirley had no defensive wounds, which definitely led police to believe that she may have known her attacker and didn't feel the need to fight back at first. They had thought that it could possibly be her boyfriend. However, he had a stone-cold alibi because he was working a night shift that night. Wayne was actually Shirley's next-door neighbor, which may be why she had allegedly not had defense wounds. She had already met him because she would often sit outside of her apartment, and he was the neighbor, so he would say hello to her and so on of and so course. forth. There's some mention of an ex of Shirley's saying that he would hang out, she would be hanging out with, like, a dominant man, and his opinion was that she was getting into something dangerous, but this really feels like victim-blaming, and I'm not down with that. Also, what does a dominant man mean? Like, how did you know he was dominant, Chad?
1: Was his name Chad?
0: No, but it <laughs> it sounds like something a Chad would say,
1: though. Okay, Chad. <laughs> On November 23rd, 1969, Marielle, i Thanks.
0: You're welcome. I'm so sorry. (laughs) You're from Quebec, so you get stuck with the French name. (laughs)
1: Okay. This is about the Frenchest, as French as we can get right now. Yes, it is. And I apologize. Yes, I am from Quebec. I was there for a millisecond of my life. My family does not speak French. My dad's first language was Hungarian. My mom went to French school. She could probably pick it up when she goes back to Quebec or when she goes to France, but we are not French and I apologize now for butchering any names, including Marielle's. So Marielle Archambault, and I only know Archambault when I pause and take a second because it was a killer record store back in the day. I don't know if they still exist in Quebec, but beauty. (laughs) So Marielle left her job as a jewelry store clerk for the last time. Her coworkers state that Marielle had left with a man that night who she introduced as Bill. Her fellow co-workers went on to say that Marielle looked very happy with this man. However, when Marielle did not show up for her shift the next morning, her employer thought that this was really strange. So he went to check on Marielle at her apartment. He contacted her landlord to gain access to the apartment where they very sadly discovered Marielle had been murdered. Like Shirley, Marielle was fully closed. However, Bowden had ripped her tights and bra, sexually assaulted her, and bit her breasts. In her room, police found a picture of a man which had been crumpled up. Sensing that they were kind of on to something, they showed this picture to Marielle's co-workers, who confirmed that this was indeed Bill, that she had been seen leaving with the night of her attack. The newspapers even went on to print this photo, and police were on the lookout, believing that this was their suspect. No leads were ever found, and it was later realized that this picture had actually been a picture of Marielle's father.
0: Yeah, so the father had already passed away at the time that this was printed. So could you imagine if he was alive and was arrested and charged for strangling and sexually assaulting his own daughter
1: his life would be over yeah whether he did it or not his life mm-hmm. would have been over absolutely. absolutely and you always hear the theory of like you always marry your father mm-hmm. so it's very likely that if she has any kind of grief honing in with mm-hmm. her dad that she is dating somebody who maybe looks like her father or, or walks like her father mm-hmm. there's always that little bit of connection there i think
0: too her co-workers are probably extremely grief stricken yeah. with this insane thing that's just happened in their life and they're searching for an answer mm-hmm. as we all would be so they're gonna see oh this is a male sort of looks that's definitely bill yeah they want to know yeah, who they want to know friend. yeah exactly i'm not really sure why but this one upset me the most they're all really horrible but after writing it, it just felt just sat funny with me On January 15th, 1970, Jean Way's boyfriend, Brian, arrived at Jean's apartment for a date night. Brian knocked on her apartment door, but she didn't answer. Brian attempted to open the door, but it was locked. He had figured she had not made it home yet and would try again later. When Brian returned, he found that the door was now unlocked. When he entered the apartment, he found Jean. She was naked on her bed, strangled, but this time no bite marks on her breasts. It was thought that when Brian knocked the first time, Wayne was in the apartment and got nervous and left quickly. So it's unclear if she was still alive when Brian knocked.
1: I think that's probably what made you unnerving. Mm -hmm. Unnerving. Unnerved.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Especially... You know every show that we watch, every halt like every movie that we see, the 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 person comes in and saves them, or the police come in and sa- saves them. Like they don't sit there. So I I put myself in her body and go, oh my god, could you imagine if she was still alive? Here's mm-hmm. her boyfriend knocking. Mm-hmm. Goes, oh, he can save me. Yeah. And then, I mean, we'll never know if she was alive or not, but that's where, that's just where my brain went with
1: it. It's very unlikely that she was alive at the time or could have been saved Mm -hmm. by her boyfriend. Brian probably holds on to that guilt and that shame of if I could have just gotten there sooner, if I would have stayed at the apartment and waited for her, but you can't go through the what-ifs. You did what you could in the moment to the best of your ability, and it turned out extremely tragically. But when you don't, and unnerving and unsettling as it is, when you don't have firsthand experience, you turn to shows that you watch in Hollywood depicting these crimes like there's a hope and there's a chance that somebody will come in and save the day and have their cape on and be your Superman. Uh, But realistically this is more of what we see in true crime. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I also kind of took comfort that I think that if he had knocked and she was alive, she would have screamed or tried to shuffle or right. something. There would have been we indicator. Yeah, we don't know for sure, but that's how I comforted myself with that. Mm-hmm. Jean had fought for her life, and during her autopsy, the coroner was able to find two fibers under her fingernails.
1: Yes. PSA
0: ever being attacked, Yes. get that damn DNA somewhere. Scratch them. Fingernails. Bite them. Do something. Anything. Whatever you can. Yeah, do that last favor for yourself if you're, God Mm -hmm. forbid, you're ever in this position, but Mm -hmm. yeah, please. Panic rocked the city of Montreal after Jean's murder, but this would be the last murder Wayne Bowden would do in the city of Montreal before
1: moving to Calgary, Alberta. On May 18th, 1971, Elizabeth Ann Porteous, did not report to her job as a high school teacher in Calgary, which prompted her landlord to be called to check her apartment where Elizabeth's body was found. Could you imagine if nowadays, anytime someone didn't show
0: up, you were calling landlords or going and knocking (laughs) on doors? No. Like, in any profession, in any job, how many no-call, no-shows are there? So many. And could you imagine if every time we all had to, like, okay, guys... Tom didn't show up today, Somebody I'm going to get the landlord on the horn. I'm going to go knock on the door, see if I can get them. Let's We see need the, the
1: police, get in there. The, the, yeah. Oh my goodness, we'd be at everybody's apartment every day. Every day.
0: The first three hours of life would be halted all around the globe because we had to go find
1: people. But they didn't have phones, right? right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... We will reach out, text, call, leave a voicemail, send an email. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have anything like that. They weren't going to mail, snail mail you. Hey, just seeing if you're still alive. Yes. It's not going to get to them in time. <laughs> so Just checking in to see if you were murdered. <laughs> this time, it was clear that there was a struggle, as the state of her apartment was in disarray. Elizabeth had sadly been raped and strangled. Her breasts were mutilated with bite marks. The, the bite marks were so vicious, an investigator said, quote, Her breast was bitten so hard that the bottom teeth had pierced the skin and then pierced the other side of her breast. Do you know? Of course, you know, but the TikTok that's like her eyes were gouged out, her jaw <laughs> yes. was all up. <laughs> yeah, that is that sentence. That absolutely as is that we're sentence. Sitting there eating the popcorn. Yeah. That is disgusting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It completely gives me the shudders every time I think of it, of when a person is like kicked in the testicles, and all the all the people around are like, ooh, that's what that gave me, Your that's that feeling. But, tightness. yeah, completely, especially being, like, of the larger-breasted person, to know of what that would take to actually get oh. all the way through. Oh.
1: oh, I have pain in my boobs on a yeah. good day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Elizabeth. When Elizabeth's body was sent for an autopsy, the doctor discovered what would be a very important clue. Whoever had done this had lost a cufflink, which had fallen on the floor during the struggle, and Elizabeth had fallen on top of it. And get this, they found it because it was stuck in her back. Also want to mention, the sweater that Elizabeth was wearing on the night of her murder had been violently ripped open. Police were able to recover all but one button of this sweater. And this detail is going to become really important later on. The night she
0: was brutally murdered, a colleague had seen Elizabeth in a blue Mercedes. This colleague had said that the car had had some sort of advertising in the back or a bobblehead. (laughs) Contrasting items, I would say.
1: Do you think he advertised his bobblehead collection? Uh,
0: maybe he was an avid bobblehead collector, and we forgot to find that out for this for this story.
1: We want to apologize for our oh, lack no. of investigative efforts on oh, this fact.
0: And we do say that we leave no turn, no stone left unturned, and we left this stone unturned. Me, you, me. Yeah,
1: I did. <laughs> I left this stone unturned. I'm so sorry. It's okay. We apologize, So oh. I hope you forgive God. us. All right,
0: we'll 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 update later if we find out that he was an avid bobblehead collector. Yeah, go to our socials for the bobblehead
1: <laughs> collection of the year. <laughs> Oddly enough, I still have bobbleheads. Do you? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I have hockey bobbleheads.
0: Oh, th- no, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. Sam, she has a bobble Jesus that used to sit on her front... The dash. Oh, so then this isn't. No, it's not strange. Bar. But it, I think the difference is like, was it advertising or a bobblehead?
1: <laughs> right.
0: Like that's where the it's not weird to have a bobblehead. Like there's also the people that have like the dancing penguins and stuff. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. I'll get on that. Back to Sorry. the sad stuff. A friend of Elizabeth's had let investigators know that Elizabeth had been dating a guy named. Bill! Damn, Bill. Uh Uh-huh. The friend informed police that Elizabeth had described this bill as a flashy professor with neat short hair. So when a car matching the colleague's description was found parked near the murder scene, police found it was registered to a man named Wayne Bowden, and he lived nearby. They asked Wayne to come to the police station for some questioning, which Wayne agreed to. During this questioning, Wayne actually admitted to owning the cufflinks. Police searched his apartment and were able to find... Stop. The
1: missing button to Elizabeth's shirt. No. Mm-hmm. What an idiot. We all know that serial killers keep trophies. Yeah. We know that. I just don't understand... I under I do understand revisiting the murder and being able to recollect who it was, how it happened, what they did. But are you stupid? it is it does seem
0: very stupid but let me kind of put it in a way that we will very very much understand and we're also outing ourselves a little bit here this is exciting for him this is think about all of our travels we've always collected rocks rocks <laughs> and <laughs> because we're we're really cool <laughs> popular rock collectors
1: yeah. and You have them in your studio. I do. And it's definitely something that when I walk into my studio and just sometimes take time to sit there, I will pull out my rocks. Mm -hmm. They're on my shelf. When I put my computer down, they're literally, arms reach away, but... I write where I got them, mm-hmm. where we were when I got them. It is exactly... It's, exact, is exactly. it's exactly the same. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So... If anybody wants to know about our rock collections, maybe one day we'll go live.
0: We, we should go live. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Uh, we think it's a great idea. I don't know how... There is that one video. It has really, really a, a word that I do not like and we oh, do not use. I know exactly very, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. But... It is funny... Hate that he uses the the R word, um, but he says something along the lines of like, "With what's your biggest and deepest? What's your biggest and deepest secret or whatever?" And then he goes, "Well, I collect rocks," and everybody like starts laughing, at yeah. her like, "Oh, ah, ah. <laughs> 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 that's so strange! Wow, who, would do who that? does that?" <clears throat> Wayne was then arrested. He told the police that he yes, had moved. From- sorry,
1: you think like what? Of course he was. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, sir. I did own that cufflink, and oh yeah, there's my my murder trophy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was arrested.
0: moving <laughs> yep. on. Yeah. So he told police that he moved from Montreal a year earlier and had admitted that he had been dating Elizabeth on the night that he was murdered. Hmm, interesting. Sorry that she was murdered. He had said that this cufflink had fallen off while he had visited her earlier that night. Oh, But took the murderer's cop out and stated, she was fine when I left her. Mm-hmm, that's why it, it embedded
1: yeah. into her back. Yep. Police then shifted focus to the bite marks on her breasts. The police contacted a local orthodontist to help prove that the marks on Elizabeth's breasts were Bowden's bite marks. In Canada at this time, like we had mentioned earlier, no other case had actually used forensic onontology up until this point. The orthodontist contacted the FBI and the good old U.S. of A. The FBI then directed the orthodontist to a man in England who had previously dealt with cases regarding bite marks. It always goes back
0: to the colonizers, eh? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The orthodontist was able to get the information he needed, and based on a cast made of Bowdoin's teeth, which matched in 29 areas on Elizabeth's body, which led to a jury of his peers finding him what? Guilty! Of Elizabeth's murder. He was sentenced to life in jail. Bowdin would then confess to the murders of Shirley Odette, Marielle Archambault, and Jean Way, and was returned to Montreal to face trial. Bowdoin was sentenced to three additional life terms, and he was sent to Kingston Penitentiary in Kingston, Ontario, where he began serving his sentence on February 16th, 1972. So I've always known
0: that Kingston Pen was one of our biggest penitentiaries, but after researching all the cases that we've done so far and all the cases coming in the future... It really is quite opening of how many, like, pieces of shit have actually gone through that place.
1: Oh, yeah. Walking through Kingston Pen was incredible. The guard, or the past guard who was giving the tour, talked a lot about the prisoners who were there. But based in Canada, you can't talk about prisoners who are currently living. Right. So, Bernardo... Being one of the most infamous there, Mm -hmm. they kind of just say, like, this is D Wing, where all of the infamous, still alive murderers (laughs) stayed. And you all look down and go, I think it was Bernardo. (laughs) (laughs) And all of the other people who have been. It is really amazing. And you know, I won't go back to the same place twice, but if you have the opportunity to go, and Kingston, Ontario is so incredible on the water. So if you, if I know you in person and you
0: want to go, please reach out um, because I would love to plan a trip. And if you don't know me in real life, reach out because new friends are cool and I'll go.
1: You want to invite us? You're in Kingston. You want to invite us down? We're on our way. Oh,
0: that's uh, how we got
1: murdered. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, okay, okay,
0: okay, okay, wait. We'll have our location turned on. We'll have you know. We'll have our location turned on. We're riding a true pro- pod, crime, crime cast pod. <laughs> Now you're nervous. No, I'm nervous. I like, oh, I'm about to get murdered. Um, yeah, We. I mean, we're all into it, so yeah. Location will be on, but
1: reach out. I do love a good penitentiary tour. We've done Alcatraz a couple of times when Alicia was living in California in San Francisco. And I liked Alcatraz more than I liked Kingston Pen. Kingston Pen is not, obviously, it doesn't have the history that Alcatraz does, Mm -hmm. but it's also very gray. And it felt very cold without character. Mm. And even though Alcatraz, you feel that cold, it has the gardens outside. It's just a different atmosphere. But I've always wanted to go to Eastern State Penitentiary in Pennsylvania. Okay,
0: but so that's in... Yeah, that's in Philadelphia. We can go in April when (gasps) we go to WrestleMania. Yes.
1: Okay. So we talked about this. I don't know if you remember. A long time ago Mm -hmm. when we first met, the first year that we were working together in the same office, we talked about going to this penitentiary because they do Halloween nights. And the way that this pen is set up, there is a central hub And then there's eight wings, like, it looks like a spider. And each of the wings is a different theme, haunted house, that you walk through and walk back. And I was like, that sounds incredible. And then I went home and I was like, I hope they don't bring it up again, because I'm a scared (laughs) piece of shit. And we never went. So. And we never went. And we'll be going in April
0: then. If we, yes. yeah, we'll definitely have to make time when we're there in April. That's fantastic. And um, they won't have Halloween set up. And if they do, then you're going anyways. You chicken.
1: <laughs> one final tidbit before we wrap this one up. In nineteen seventy seven, Bowden was actually granted a credit card from American Express. Always American Express. They just want your money. They do. Five years into his life sentence. He then used this Amex while he was out on a day pass from prison in Laval while eating lunch with his social worker in a restaurant in Mount Royal Hotel in downtown Montreal. Bowdoin went to the washroom and escaped through the window. He was found a few days later, thank God, <laughs> on Mackey Street in downtown Montreal. Like I'm glad he was caught, but dude, why did you stay? Yeah. If you successfully now have escaped prison, Mm -hmm. why stay where you were sentenced? Yeah. It makes no sense. Go get on a train. Put on a fake mustache
0: and get on a train. (laughs) On March 27th, 2006, Bowdoin died from melanoma at Kingston General Hospital. He had been receiving treatment for six weeks at the time before succumbing to his disease, but he was still incarcerated. So he died in prison in a hospital. Rip. Hey,
1: bye. See ya. Thank you so much for listening. That concludes this bloody nightmare during this bloody nightmarish October that we're having.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can't believe our third one's done. Please, please. Continue to follow us on all of our socials. If you haven't started, that would be great. It gets our name out there. It draws people to the podcast. This is literally a dream come true to be able to do this. So any help is great help. Yes, this upcoming Saturday. We will be having... Well, sorry. Kayla will be having her annual Halloween party, which is always incredible. And we'll be going live on Instagram or Facebook. And we really want you guys to join us. Show off your costumes, send us anything, anything Halloween related. We will always accept, even if it's the middle of July.
1: Yes, go TFTC underscore pod to follow us and interact with us on our socials. This is my favorite time of the year. You know that. I've said it every single episode, and I will continue to say it every single episode. October is my time to shine, but Mm -hmm. not the twilight shine. Oh, oh, good vampire (laughs) reference to end us (laughs) off. Wow. This is our time to vampire shine. Oh, on that note, I'm Alicia. I'm Kayla. And this has been... Tales from the Chesterfield. Bye.